welcome to the Royals FC show. I'm RJ. I'm here with two awesome people. They're letting me leave this week. I don't know what they're thinking. Uh, I'm here with Virjo and Megan. Uh, how are you guys this week? I'm great. Yeah, oh, sorry, Megan. No, you're good. We're always good at cutting each other off, so it's whatever. But we're doing good. We're back here for the week th- this episode's week. Or Wow, we're off to a good start. This week's episode... This is the we're killing it with the start, right? Why do we record these on Monday? Yeah, I I do quick kicks on Monday too, and it's always they're they're struggle bus. That's why podcasts are edited. Yeah, would, would listeners be opposed to uh, maybe like the podcast coming out on like a Wednesday or like a Thursday? Just float that out there. <laughs> you could always yeah, put let a us Twitter know. Poll up. Twitter polls are all the decisions. That's how I make all my life decisions. I put them on Twitter. Me too. Understandable. All right, this everybody. This is off to a really good start. <laughs> Let's start with some news. Uh, some excellent news, I will uh, go out on a limb and say. Bowen has been called up to the World Cup for the football ferns. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I, it was kind of expected. Yeah, it was definitely expected. Um, this is going to be her third World Cup, and she's super young, so that's exciting. She typically plays in the midfield for the national team, which is why I – but I think we only saw her in that spot like once last year. But, yeah, she's really good on the ball, plays in the midfield. Uh, I mean, I don't think New Zealand is necessarily going to do great uh, by any means, but anytime a player goes to the World Cup that's part of your squad, you're happy for them. Yeah, I would kind of just echo those same thoughts. I'm excited for her. I'm excited to see all all of our Royals that we're assuming are going to get called up. It's good to good to get that first one that's for sure on the list and kind of get it started. It's it's like coming up soon. It's weird. It's almost May, and then it's going to be June, and then it's going to be World Cup time. So we're getting there. I mean, looking at the, the group, they're in Group E with Cameroon, Canada, the Netherlands, I think they got a shot to be second or third. I could really see if, you know, if they can hold strong against Canada or the Netherlands, if they can get maybe a draw or a win in either of those games and and beat Cameroon, I think we could see New Zealand in the knockouts, which would be pretty great. And I'm always uh, a fan of seeing Captain Allie Riley and company uh, have a strong international match. I'm a little worried for Scotland, though, not going to lie. Scotland, That's my hot take. I, they kind of got a so rough group. They kind of, but I feel like Japan is super young. So if Scotland can stay, stay composed and Kim Little can be her most Kim Little and Corsi can hold it down in the back, I actually think Scotland um, has a chance to get out of their group. I, I'm coming out with a giant, I'm coming out with a giant piece on, um, on my site about the world cup and the groups and my predictions and all that U S is going to play France in the the first round or the second round of the the knockouts. And it's going to be terrible, but (laughs) we'll save that for when we actually have to worry about such things. Yep. Japan is definitely not the team that they once were. I feel like, uh, especially just with how young they've gone. So that'll be really interesting to see. On the other hand, though, I entirely disagree with you about New Zealand getting out of that group. I think it's going to be Canada and the Netherlands. Can't for, for but teams, you're a Netherlands home fan, so I am. Wait, wait. I'm a homer. Four, four teams of the third place of the six third place teams. Four of them go on 
So they don't have to be one or two. They just That's have true. to be out of the the six teams in third. They just have to be one of the four best. I th- I think New Zealand's capable of doing that, and I also think that they could probably get a two so- a two spot. I think beating Canada is going to be really hard, but I I agree with you, RJ, that they'll probably get a second spot in that group. No offense to your I- Netherlands, Virgo. <laughs> agree to disagree i think that they can advance through that third spot i don't see them displacing the netherlands or canada for one or two it the best part about the world cup is you don't know what's going to happen now virjo there was a a game or some call it a game between the utah royals and the orlando pride would you like to tell us about said game or at least (laughs) Produce said game for our uh, discussion pleasure. Yeah, I can definitely recap that a little bit. So Barnhart had a heck of a game. I know that her performance is probably a little bit overshadowed by the incredible goal that Kristen Press had, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Barnhart, for me, was phenomenal. Apparently, she only had... I think I read like four saves in that game, but it seemed like it was so, so much more. It was her 43rd career shutout. She became the first NWSL keeper to play 10,000 regular season minutes. And I really just hope that she plays till she's like 85. That would be great. She is phenomenal. And I think that when, when a lot of the fans, when, the Royals, when it was decided that they were going to be a team, I think that there has been this sort of focus on Nick Romano is the best. You know, Nick Romano is the only one. And in a sense of Real Salt Lake, right? Like, he definitely is. But we look at Nicole Barnhart, and she holds a lot of those same records just on the flip side in the women's game. And so to see Barnhart get out there and do her thing, and I think... I don't want to say that she didn't have a lot of confidence last year, but she seems to be playing like the old Barnhart. And that's something that's really exciting to see. I don't know if y'all agree with that, but those are my takes on it. Megan, you want to go next? Um, yeah, I, I, was, I kind of, uh, I feel like Nicole Barnhart's incredibly underappreciated in this league. And RJ might completely disagree with me on that. I don't know, but I have to say from a, Utah Royals FC fans standpoint, she's, she's unmatched. She's got, like you said, almost every record in the book and she's still doing it at the, I believe the oldest in the league, not positive on that. Don't quote me on that. I feel like that's okay. It's like, I feel like I heard them say that this weekend, but I think she's incredible. And like you said, I hope she gets to play for a long more, a lot, a lot more time. So the thing with Nicole Barnhart and I, I, talked about this on Twitter on uh, Saturday during the game, is in a different world, in a world without Hope Solo, which is a very different world, Nicole Barnhart is the starter on the U.S. Women's National Team for like a decade. And I think people forget how good she is because of her contemporary. Because you had Hope Solo, Nicole Barnhart was therefore on the bench for a lot of her career on the international level, except for the times that Solo was mostly getting her shoulder reconstructed. So I feel like people don't think about her when you talk about the best goalkeepers in the league, but she is absolutely the greatest goalkeeper this league has had. She has the record. She has the championship. She has sort of this 
ability to go out there, do her job, do her job extremely well, know how to handle a, a, a back line, know how to sort of do all of those things, all of those intangibles that we don't know really how to put words to for a goalkeeper, but they can just do these things. And we go, yeah, that's exactly what I want my goalkeeper to be. Only thing she's not great at is PKs. I don't think she saved a single one she's ever faced in the NWSL, but I'll, I'll, I'll survive that. Um, for all of the other things she brings. But yeah, Nicole Barnhart is, if there was a Mount Rushmore in the NWSL and you put a goalkeeper on there, it's absolutely Nicole Barnhart whose face is being carved in the marble. That was a good way to put it. (laughs) That would be interesting, uh, an interesting Twitter poll or uh, put, you know, different players up who should be on the Mount Rushmore. Um, so looking at, so I have these stats in front of me, Virgo. Uh, Carson Pickett on the Utah, or I'm sorry, on the Orlando side had six chances created the most in the match. And then you had Camilla with two, uh, Rachel Hill with one, Obagago with one, and Alex Morgan with three. That's all of the chances that Orlando created. On the other side, on the Royal side, which I want to talk a little bit about, Bowen had one, Marimone had one, uh, you have Virgo with two, you have Scott with one, you have Labonto with two, you have Janzada with two, you've got Tamarack with one, you've got Rodriguez with one, you've got Press with three. What really struck me during this match, and I want to know if you'll agree and some of your thoughts here, are just how well the Royals are mixing it up a little bit in this game. And it sort of was one for all and all for one. It was not just like Kristen Press had an amazing game and that's, she had an amazing shot. That's why they won. It was a lot of people doing a lot of things well. Unfortunately, they only put one in the net, but it seemed like a lot of people were contributing to, to what happened on offense. I would agree with that. I definitely agree with that. It seems we were talking about this a little bit before we hit record that the the chances were there, the sort of confidence and nerve was there. And, and you know, and uh, Harv even said that in the post-game press conference or, you know, post-game interview that they they played with a level of confidence to create opportunities that they probably wouldn't have had this time last year. And really it was just, I think, finishing and some of the minor tweaks in execution, but a lot of players getting involved uh, I think while, at least in terms of the attacking front, while it would be really easy to sort of reduce the match to that brilliant goal by press, I think it's really probably better encapsulated in that great save by Kottmeyer off of the shot by Amy Rodriguez. The opportunities were there. It was just the little things, whether it be... Um, you know, a pass being a couple inches off or the placement, obviously, on that shot that I just talked about by Amy Rodriguez. It was just the little things, but the confidence, the ability to get forward. Vero is really, really unlocking the attacking power. And I think we're just going to see more and more of it. And I cannot wait. Sorry, that was kind of a long way around to uh, link back into that. No, I, I think you're you're spot on, which it sort of amazes me, like looking at this this list is nobody had press had had the chances created with three, but she was sort of becoming more of a focal point of the attack, but 
I really think Rodriguez, as much as she uh, didn't get that goal that I think we all wanted her to get, she still she looked a little more lively. Megan, I, I sort of your thoughts on, on Rodriguez and where you think she's heading as we're going into the uh, World Cup break. I'm I'm excited for her. I think losing Kristen and all of the other internationals is like in a way going to help her get more. Cause obviously our attacks run through Kristen. I feel at least that's how I viewed it this year is everything's Kristen's involved in a lot of things. And I think with her leaving, Amy's going to get a chance to kind of take control of the, of the front or of our attack and get an opportunity to get a few goals and hopefully get more goals than she was able to last year. And I'm, I'm excited for her. I think she's still got a lot to, to give this team and helping or hopefully for her to have a little bit of time to dominate a little bit will help with her and her success. It also helps. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say if it's okay, if I add one thing to that and I don't know, maybe this is a bit of a hot take. Maybe it's not. So while I think that Aaron has been decent, I think that, to your point that Kristen has been the one running the attack. And I think in some ways it's, it's rendered A-Rod a, a little bit invisible, I think in certain circumstances. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens obviously next, or, you know, I guess this upcoming weekend with uh, press surely being gone but in addition to that, I think that when we were looking at it, when we were talking about a season preview, and I think what the Royals need to do well a few weeks back in order to make the playoffs, they're off to a great start. So they've got that checked off. But I think they need someone in the front three who's going to be a leader if they want to do well during this World Cup stretch. I think they'll probably, it'll probably be okay if. A-Rod isn't that player who is lights out. I think if Stangle comes up big or if Vero comes up big, that'll also be good. Yet at the same time, I think for the Royals to really perform well during this upcoming World Stretch, World Cup stretch, A-Rod needs to be at the top of her game. And I think um, she needs to be a little bit more impactful. She's definitely been opening up space, but you also see a few little mistakes here and there. And so hopefully that'll get cleared up in the next couple of weeks. I, I think yeah, that's I think fair. Be- I think that's a fair, fair point to make, but yeah, I'm kind of hoping for the best for her, but I think you're right. If somebody else is able to step up and kind of take what Kristen's been doing and apply it to, to their play, whether that is Katie or a rod or Vero, that could be huge for us. I think A-Rod is a different type of forward. Like her, her strength is not getting the ball, you know, 20 or 30 yards out like presses. I think because Amy Rodriguez is the best when just a bunch of people are already in the box and you give her the ball and let her dance and nobody knows what she's doing because she doesn't know what she's doing. Like that is the best Amy Rodriguez, right? Like, a little bit of confusion and she gets all the space in the world and she, she manages to get those goals. So I think the style is going to change a little bit. I think it was a little bit press heavy because you only have press for two games. So why not use her for those two games to sort of her max? Um, so I, I do think 
Herbie put her thumb on the scale a little bit to try to maximize press. And I think it, it did well. Um, they're sitting on six points. So I, I think it'll be interesting, Harvey, sort of bringing A-Rod's talents more to the front maybe a little bit um, during this. And then when when the national teamers are back, sort of blending those two. And I think a blend of sort of that Kristen Press type of forward, the Amy Rodriguez forward, and then more like the Katie Stengel forward, I think that's a really different attack and not an attack most other teams could put together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting that you talk about that because when you look at Press, A-Rod, Stengel, I think there's probably an argument to make that when you line three different strikers up, they could not be more different. You know, Press is just going to run you ragged. She's going to have nice fancy footwork. She's going to create opportunities. A-Rod, like you said, she's going to capitalize in the box. She's going to do funky things and create opportunities. And then Stengel is just going to hold up with the ball and see what happens. And they're all talented in their own ways, but either you need to find a way for all three of them to gel. And I think backtracking a little bit, that might be why we keep seeing Stengel come in off the bench, but um, more so it becomes about chemistry that who can work well with who without having three different types of complications. And so I am so excited as to what our lineup is going to look like against Chicago. I think that Lola Bonta really complimented press. I think she's a good player in her own right, but I think that there is a, um, I don't know if Labonta starts this next game with press being gone. Uh, you know, we don't know what type of role the offense is going to look like because particularly when we look at the Orlando game, um, you know, press continually would drop back into the midfield to try to create confusion or to open up space and even play defense and then, you know, make runs. I think that this Utah team is going to look incredibly different for the next couple months. And it's going to be like really, really hard to predict what that looks like, but someone needs to score. Someone's going to need to create opportunities. And so it will be interesting to see, who gels with who, how does that work, how does that play out, et cetera, et cetera. I do think it'll be interesting to see. So Amy Rodriguez, for for those who don't know, I'm going to be old for a minute. Um, Amy Rodriguez came up at a time when Abby Wambach was huge. Like she was, this was 2007, 2008. And a lot of Amy Rodriguez's early success on the national team was playing as sort of the partner with Abby, or at least sort of a forward who was working off of Abby. And Stangle has a lot of those Abby Wambach, big, strong, use had real good traits. And I mean that in the best of ways. So I think sort of going back to her roots and playing sort of off a of Stangle could be really good for Rodriguez. Um, so that's where I want to go with that. I do want to talk about the defense because uh, Becky Sauerbrunn and Rachel Corsi looked a lot more in sync to me this game than they did the first. I want to know if you guys sort of agree or, or think I'm crazy. So two things. One, I absolutely agree with you. A-Rod and Stengel were at their best last year when they were playing off each other. Kristen throws sort of a wrench in that compatibility, not necessarily um, to mean that like Kristen isn't a great player, but like I said, it changes the game plan. So, fantastic point, RJ. Secondly, Corsi and Becky, so much better. So much better this game. 
They had, looking at the stats, uh, 60 passes for Sauerbrunn, 64 passes for Corsi. Uh, Sauerbrunn with an 85% passing average. Corsi with an 87.5 passing average. Highest uh, passing percentage of anybody who took more than 10 passes. It's going to really, really not be fun when they're both gone. Because they're such a dynamic duo. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting. And I know we'll probably talk about that more in detail as we have a ton of questions related to what the lineup is going to look like. But, yeah, they will be missed. And it's unfortunate right as they were starting to, um, you know, because like we talked about, the game against the Spirit, it wasn't necessarily a bad game for both of them. But the chemistry that we saw last year wasn't necessarily there. And it had, you know, you could tell that it was starting to build up and be more and more reminiscent of last year. The further I think we dug into that Orlando game time wise. Any thoughts on the uh, defense, Megan? Um, I'm a little worried. <laughs> I think we'll be okay. I think I'm just so confident in the Corsi Sauerbrunn pairing that knowing it's going to change is a little frightening, but Utah's Utah's got backups for a reason. And I think we'll be all right. It's going to, I'm, I'm worried it might take a few games. I think this next game against Chicago might be, it is Chicago this weekend. Yes. Yes. Am I yes. crazy? Okay. That's what I thought. I was like, wait, when I said that out loud, it didn't feel right. Okay. Yeah. Chicago this weekend is going to be tough. I won't be surprised if we don't get three points, which sounds bad to say, but they look really good so far this year. But I think they'll figure it out. It might take a week or two, but we'll have to figure it out at some point. We might as well start trying to figure it out now. Yeah, that Chicago-Houston-North Carolina swing they have for the next three games is a lot tougher than the first two against Washington and Orlando. So, I mean, they're only missing two starters. Kelly hasn't been starting, so hopefully that doesn't throw them off too much. 100% I think yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how this weekend goes that's for sure hey uh speaking of how things are about to go Megan uh would you like to talk about the next game that the Utah Royals are gonna be playing yes now that I'm confident in the answer that it is Chicago this weekend hey Megan Um, real quick (laughs) before then um can we just throw out that Barney and Press are up for save of the week and yes and even though it's kind of a popularity contest Go vote for that. It's a oh, it's a yeah. total popularity contest. But that's what like so. He, I'm gonna go off on a tangent, which I know you guys love tangents on this show, so I feel confident. Or pros at tangents, I, I, go for I feel it. Feel confident. Yes, the save of the week and goal of the week absolutely do not matter, and nor should they matter. Like they're not quote real awards. And look, I vote in a quote real award, and I'm not sure how much player of the week matters all that much either sometimes but wards like this are fan engagement this is not to get people to like critically think about was it more difficult for Tobin Heath to do a back heel goal or was it more difficult for the way Kristen Press brought the ball down before she shot like that's not what this award is this award is the NWSL picking four goals that could go viral at any moment putting them on a social media platform and letting us fans and people who really care about their favorite player 
share it on social media so people who don't follow the league can see it. Like this is pure fan engagement and that's okay. Like I see people who get really like offended or really like hurt about who's voting for who. This is supposed to be fun. And I like, I'm writing a piece on the seriousness problem in, in women's soccer and this sort of goes to it of there's things that are fun that can just be fun. It can be okay that like, we have a thing that is literally just for fun and that's okay. So I think that people need to take a giant deep breath when it comes to who wins like goal and save of the week and just have fun with it instead of making it sort of a moratorium on how good of a fan you are. Preach. But also vote for Kristen Press and Nicole Barnhart. 100%. <laughs> I will put my stamp of, of, of approval. Goodness, I can't speak today on that tangent. But yeah, definitely vote for Press and, and Barnhart because they deserve it. Can we make that a weekly thing? Like that take is Megan approved? Yeah, let's do it. That's All be a the takes weekly... are Dr. Yeah. Make it a weekly I'm gonna segment. St- I'm going to make like a bitmoji with a stamp and just tweet that out with all of the episode links. Well, there's the, the bitmoji that just says facts. That should be your like negative. Oh, that's a good one. There we go. It has the facts. Uh, all right. Chicago Red anyway, Stars. Let's, let's talk about the Red Stars. Um, they're a team. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with them. We'll, I guess, start with last year. They ended fourth place, lost in the semis of the playoffs, which was, I think, a little unexpected. I kind of thought they would make it to the final, but they didn't. Um, they had 38 score, 28 conceded, so, with the, so for a goal differential of plus 10. Um, Fircho, you want to go with your hot take for this team? Yeah, I think they're going to win it all this year. I think they're going to beat the Courage in the final. That is my hot take. That is the hottest of hot takes. Is, is um, it hot when Sam Kerr is on your team, though? Like, if you that's true. Have Sam Kerr is that not also a cheat? <laughs> I mean, Sam Kerr is a living legend. Let's be honest here. So, with her, anything is anything is possible. Figuring they already have, let's see, what are they at? Third place right now in the standings. Like, they're doing they're doing good this year, though. I mean, technically Utah's above them, but we won't, you know, yeah. won't brag too much about that. But um, yeah, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the final this year. I don't know if they'll win it, but seeing them in the final doesn't isn't too much of a hot take. Um, they have brought in a couple new people this year. They brought Tierna Davidson, Maria Sanchez, and Katie Johnson from Sky Blue, which some of Sky Blue's better players. So I mean, hopefully Sky Blue's. Sky Blue is just struggling. We're just going to not even go back into that tangent of Sky Blue and their their mess they've got going on. Um, Stephanie McCaffrey's out. She's got neurological illnesses. She, I believe, played a few minutes, unless I'm completely making things up, no, but I believe she, she played a few minutes. She's basically retired at this point. Oh, yeah. I was looking at the uh, – I looked at the wrong game. Okay. That was last year's game. Yeah, I looked it up, and I was like, oh, she subbed in, but nope. That was last year. Um, yeah, she's doing her thing. See how – see if – is she, like, confirmed retired or she might come back once she's better? Do you know uh, that, RJ? As far as I know, she is done playing soccer. She did do the coin flip before the game, though. Okay. So kind of a tough tough spot for her and the Red Stars to be in. Hopefully she's at least able to 
get her her life back without soccer in it. Um, obviously, we already talked about Sam Kerr. Chicago's just good. They have so many, so much talent on their team. They've got Colaprico, Ertz, Katie Johnson, Morgan Bryan. All like the list just goes on and on with this team. There's there's a reason they're continuing exactly where they left off last year. Um, they are going to be losing, obviously, Alyssa Nair, Julie Ertz, possibly a few more for World Cup and stuff like that. But Virtuo seems to think they're going to win it all, and obviously it's entirely possible with how stacked that roster is. Um, yeah, yeah. If you guys have any thoughts on Chicago before we go into the game versus Utah? Yeah, so I think one of the interesting things about Chicago is that they have – so many good players and you know players that aren't necessarily in the spotlight as much um like katie johnson i think katie johnson is a fantastic talent morgan bryant is a known commodity but also sort of an unknown commodity de bernardo is great if she can execute it um vasconcelos the thing for me which i'm really really interested about is to see what the u.s women's national team roster is going to look like and honestly i think that's going to play a huge role in terms of who wins this game on Friday. I think the Royals are going to have a much better chance if both Tierna Davidson and Casey Short get called up, but I don't think both of them will. In fact, I don't, I don't know if either, I don't Davidson know. It's so hard to say. Getting called up. Yeah. That's who I'm leaning toward. But, you know, like you said, or, you know, like a lot of pundits had said, have said, Casey Short's a great player, sort of on the fringes a little bit. Uh, that definitely, I think, changes the game's tactics if both Short and Davidson go. Obviously, Nair being gone. Uh, Emily Boyd, she's played two pro matches. We know she's you know a decent a decent goalkeeper, but she doesn't have a lot of NWSL reps. Uh, so if the Royals can take advantage of that, that'll be good. It's really... So much of it just comes down to, I think, the individual battles this upcoming game and who on Chicago's roster actually gets called into the U.S. women's national team and who remains sort of on the fringes for another cycle. Now, y'all ready for my hot take, which I know you're not going to like? Ready. And I, I don't think this will be Megan approved, but I'm going to I'm gonna do it anyway. Um Oh, man. I want Utah to give up a goal, and here is why. So we're three games in. They haven't given up a goal this year, which is good. But we also haven't seen them behind in the game. We've seen them only up one one nothing. And I want to see early on in the year them have to figure out if they're the type of team that can either be up one nothing or have – it be where they're down one nothing and how they come back because I think we're early enough in the year where a test like that has some intrinsic value um, and I think having still most of their full roster less two starters in Sauerbrunn and Press and O'Hara has been subbing in both games I think having a match where they have to fight back a little bit where they have to show if this is the type of team that can do things to not just win by a goal, but have to come back and possibly put two in the net could be a, a really valuable thing this early in the season. I do not like undefeated teams. I do not like untested teams. I want to see 
Utah get tested a little. And I think this is a good game to be tested against because if you lose, it would not be ideal. But it's not a game that you go, oh, man, we really – I can't believe we lost to Chicago. Like, it's a game that realistically they could lose. So being tested in it I think is a good thing. Yeah. To your point, RJ. I can I can agree with that, Ranjan. Or Ranjan, I can speak that <laughs> tangent. I'm, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I think from – a defensive standpoint, it's it's going to happen. You can, we're not going to not get scored on this whole season, and to, to have that first one be against a team like Chicago, it it'd be probably good for Utah to have to, like you said, learn how to come back from being behind. Or even if you know it goes one one and they they score to tie it, to see how they can respond. To even just something like that, where they are going to have to score again to win because Utah only scoring two goals in two games. I would like to see more goals from them as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, to your point, RJ, I think it's more than just, it's good to be tested. I think it's, this is the test. Um, The games against Washington or Atlanta, no disrespect, not good teams. Those are the practice tests for a team like Chicago, for a team like the Thorns, for a team like North Carolina Courage, that back line is going to be tested. The Royals are going to be tested, period. And I think that depending, I think that the first 15 minutes are going to decide whether the Royals get one point or if they get zero points. I think if they concede in the first 15 minutes, I think the floodgates could very well open. Um, especially depending on how the back lines up with, um, you know, Sarah Brun gone. It's, it's going to be so, so interesting. Well, and we know the Chicago team can score. They've scored what, eight goals already this season in three games. Yeah. Like this, this is a good Chicago team. And even if they are losing some of their best players, obviously with their national teams, they know how to score and they are going to they're going to score on Utah. I don't I don't think in any world do we lose Becky and Rachel this week. Well, I guess we won't be losing Rachel this weekend, but we lose Becky this weekend and don't get scored on against a team that's as good as Chicago. I would be actually shocked to see Utah shut out this weekend. Yeah. I know I don't think we get a shutout personally. I'm in that same boat. Um, on the positive side, while it's true that, you know, Chicago scored four against Portland and they scored, put you know, they put three on the rain, they also conceded four to Portland. So it all... Hopefully the defensive struggles continue like they did in Portland for us this week. Yeah, it's all going to depend, I think, on just how compact that defensive midfield and back line can stay for Chicago and so much of that is going to come down to the personnel that are available for it. I think the thing with this is this is a this is it's early, but this is a deciding game I think in the Utah season. You go in, you beat two teams you should beat. Now here's the real test. And oh, we're not just going to test you. We're going to take away two of your best players. One's coming back from injury and probably one of their third best players, Nohara. And we're going to see if you can do it. And can you hang with the Chicago's and the North Carolina's and the Portland's? Um, I think early tests are good. It's going to test Harvey of can Laura Harvey do subs if they're down or if it's close and they need to just hold on. 
Um, I'm actually really excited for this match to see how Utah responds. And if the first two games are just, yeah, they were playing bad teams, they're, they're not good. Or if, you know, they belong in the top four, because truthfully, I think the people or the, I'm sorry, the four teams in the top four are the four teams that are going to end up in the playoffs. I don't know the order, but those are the four teams I think that go to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, yeah. So this is related, but also different. RJ, do you think Kelly O'Hara a hundred percent is going with U.S. Women's National Team? Kelly O'Hara is going with the national team unless she amputates her leg on the sideline. There is. That's what I thought. <laughs> there is no world in which Kelly O'Hara doesn't go because even if Kelly O'Hara is not. Um, 100%, she is still an incredibly useful tool. And I think, truthfully, we've seen it. Like, Lindsay Horan didn't play in the game against Sky Blue because, like, Jill Ellis told Portland not to play Lindsay Horan. I can see a world where Kelly O'Hara probably could play a full game right now or could start and go 60 minutes. And U.S. Soccer has said, you know what, Laura Harvey, let's try to keep her under 30. So I think that O'Hara probably has more minutes in her than she's shown. And I think some of that is both Laura Harvey respecting O'Hara as a player and not wanting to have her hurt to go to France. And another part is U.S. soccer's, you know, friendly reminders. Yeah. Agreed. And so intertwining with that, it's going to be tough defensively for the Royals. Um, You know, Sam Kerr is amazing. She is probably the best female soccer player in the world. Uh, Maimon is going to have a hard time, period. It's going to be a rough go, and obviously we don't know what the injury report looks like, but this is one of those weeks where you really just, like, you need Becca Moros to be back and serviceable and put her on one side of the fullbacks and put Katie Bowen on the other side, and then you stick Sam Johnson in, because uh, I think, one, I think she's definitely a very serviceable center back. Uh, but also, you know, she used to play for the Chicago team. She knows Rory Dames pretty well. She knows the ins and outs. But this is really, I think, the first test of our depth. We haven't lost, um, you know, we haven't lost Corsi yet. We haven't lost Desiree Scott yet. But this is sort of the beginning of, I think, when testing how deep we are is really going to come to fruition. And, you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not a tactical genius by any means, but I think we're going to see a lot of Desiree Scott coming back in. And, you know, obviously, you know, she's a center defensive midfielder, but I think she's really going to come back on the back line. And I think um, if she has a good game, um, you know, not to be punny, but destroying Sam Kerr on the ball and sort of ruining those opportunities, I think the Royals have a great chance. It's really going to come down to the little things and how well some of these players who don't get a lot of minutes defensively are going to do from this game to the end of the World Cup starting this week. I actually think I agree with everything you said. I think Desiree Scott's going to be hugely important. I also think Vero's going to be important because we've seen her play well, I think. And I we've seen her sort of take on some of that creative role. But Kristen Press was sort of running roughshod. And I mean that 
completely positively. I think when you have Kristen Press in that form, you let her. Um, but I think Vero is now going to have to show why Laura Harvey brought her to Utah in a way where she's going to get a little more ability to pull those strings the way she wants. And I think this is not a bad test of Ernst is going to be gone. Davidson's going to be gone. Alyssa Mayer is going to be gone. So let's see what Vero can do. Let's see, you know, Vero start pulling those strings, presumably with Stengel and A-Rod up top. So I actually think Vero could be the decision maker of if she can, excuse me, pull those strings effectively and, and, you know, make the arms move. Do you think she moves up a little bit and plays a little bit higher? Or do you think, think how do you think that's going to work? I think she has to. I think, I think she has to. I'm hoping maybe we see, you know, Mandy Laddish. So it would be, you know, Scott Laddish and, and Vero. That would be ideal if Laddish can can handle that. Um, but I think Vero has to be has to be your your sort of that attacking mid role. She's got to be, you know, higher up on the pitch making those decisions because you don't have Kristen Press to do it, and she's who really did it those first two games. Yeah, yeah. Lineup, you know, like we talked about, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Obviously. You know, we don't know if this is going to happen, but at least on paper, I don't think it's a bad idea to go, I don't want to say uh, three center defensive midfields, but start like Mandy Laddish, start Gunny and start Desiree and have them just sort of try to dominate that midfield to break up the attack maybe go two up top. I don't know, but I, I you know, I, I asked that question because I wanted to see if you're in the same boat. For Utah to be successful, I think Vero is going to have to get higher, even if that exposes them to greater weakness. If they're going to score, she needs to get higher. But I also think you have to trust Barnhart in that situation, right? Like you have to trust your goalkeeper can make the saves that she's going to have to make if you change things to possibly expose yourself a little bit. And yeah, I've been to a game where Sam Kerr scored four goals on Nicole Barnhart. It was not fun if you're, uh, you know, at the time an FC Casey fan, but Sam Kerr can do it. But Sam Kerr can also go games where she completely frustrates herself. Um, so while Sam Kerr is right now probably one of the three greatest women soccer players on the planet, she also can sometimes take herself out of games. So I think really Nagasato is who I would worry about almost more because she just seems to be completely unencumbered by anything. And she just goes out there and causes chaos and has fun. So I think Nagasato is who I would really focus on. And I think she's, she's going to be the trouble maker more than Sam Kerr. That would be, that would be my hot take is if Utah Royals get burned, it's going to be my Nagasato. You know, I'm glad you bring that up because I was actually hoping that we talked about after this sort of Vero discussion Nagasato is really hot right now. She's got three goals so far in the season. She had, I don't want to say um, her goal that's up for goal of the week. I don't want to call it a screamer because it wasn't really fast. It was sort of a partially open net, but that was a great goal from deep. It was beautiful to watch it drop. She's a very composed player. And while she's not, you know, she's a goal scoring threat. She's not a goal-scoring threat in the sense that Sam Kerr is. You know, she only scored four goals last year. She can move the ball around. Seven assists last year. I agree with you wholeheartedly. 
Um, when, when I, you know, looking back to when I say breaking up the attack, Nagasato, you got to break that up. You've got to remove her from the game. How Utah does that, I don't know. I think it's just smash and destroy, but we'll see. Megan, you've been awfully quiet. That's never a good sign. I know. No, y'all are just dropping so much good soccer knowledge, and I'm just learning. Um, but yeah, you Nagasato scares me a little bit, not going to lie. That's my take for all of that we've talked about. I'm worried to see how Utah does stopping her this weekend, but hopefully we can figure something out. Yeah, I think they're they're a team that is beatable, but it's going to take some effort. And I think that's good. That's what you want three weeks in. Like you don't want this game with three to go when you need points. Like you want it now where if the worst happens and you walk away with zero points, you still have time to make that up. And Utah has a game in hand against most teams uh, because of the first week by. So that's also helpful. Mm. You guys want to answer some questions? Any final thoughts, questions? We can move to questions. Hey, Megan. Um, Sorry. Oh, I was just going (laughs) to say one last thing, just to sort of reiterate what you said. I think this is going to be a huge game in terms of the broader season and how they do. It's the first real test. We'll see what happens. I'm confident. I'm also, I think, hopefully optimistic. We shall see. We shall see. But that said, a draw is not a bad result against this team. So while I don't think Harvey is necessarily the type of coach to you know, go out and say, yeah, we're going to play for a draw. I think if we get a draw out of this game, that's not a bad result. All right. I'm good for questions. I would be content with a draw. I think that's a, that's a good take. But yes, let's move on to our questions. Hey, Megan, you want to read number one? I definitely do. So this is from Nick B. I'm assuming from Twitter, though I don't know for a fact because I didn't write these down, but he asks, who will be the first to score? A-Rod, Stengel, Tim Rack, Gunny? I'm assuming he wants us to pick from those, but if you have a different answer, go for it. Go for it, Virgil. Take take the first one. Um, I think just to sort of set the ship in the right direction and get the flow going with that change of attack with Kristen being gone, I think it needs to be A-Rod, but I don't think it will. I think it's going to be Stengel. That is exactly what I was going to say. To be honest with you, I was thinking that I was hoping I'm hoping for a rod, but I think Katie's going to want to prove prove a point a little bit and get one soon. I think it's going to be Vero. I think that's a quality answer. I'm not mad at that answer. I either. think Vero is probably the player who I think is most prone to have an individual moment of brilliance. And I think against sort of a slightly shaken up uh, Chicago because of who's leaving, they have more players leaving in more sort of defensive positions that she's going to be the one that's going to be like, you know what? I'm back in the NWSL and here's a goal. Thank you. You're welcome. Not a bad take. Not a bad take at all. Virjo, question two, please, sir. All right. (laughs) What are your lineup predictions for the Royals with USA players leaving to camp for the World Cup? Which one of you wants to take a shot at that first? I expect 11. Or do you go first? I expect 11 players, one of them being a goalkeeper. 
that is about where my brain's at. I haven't even looked. I'm assuming we're probably still going to see like Vero, Labonta, A-Rod, Barnhart. Those are the only four I'm going to say I will stick with for now. <laughs> I, I, could, I mean, I could see Harvey keeping it pretty simple and just putting in Johnson for Sour Run, putting in Stangle for press and just sort of saying, all right, everybody just like do your jobs. I could see her the first game not changing anything radically because she wants to see if the parts she's putting in work. And if you change eight different variables, anybody who's done, you know, experiments, you can't tell if the actual thing you want to know is going to work or not. You have to sort of only change the variables you're talking about and seeing what happens. And I think Harvey can be that sort of methodical person when she wants. So I could see her only changing for the two that are gone and going from there. 100% in that same yep. boat. I think Sam Johnson for Becky Sarabron is really the only assured guarantee barring injury. Although that's sort of interesting because she wasn't in the 18 for the first game. She was suspended. Uh, rather... Uh, oh, that's right. Yes, she was. That's what it was. So the NWSL did a great job at letting everybody know she was suspended, but she was in fact suspended uh, because of a red card in the W League down under, um, and it was nowhere. Like I, I was talking to the media association people, nobody had anything on it. Nobody put it wasn't put out on the disciplinary thing. Um, Utah didn't tweet about it, but Sam Johnson was in fact suspended. And then she was in the 18 for the first game she was eligible to be. Yeah, that's the first I've heard that. So good job, NWSL. On that note, though, I watched that game when she got that card. It was so funny. She tried to take it out of the ref's hands. It was I, great, but I am shocked that that carryover carried over. Wait, it was that shocked. red card? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I did not know it was that red because I saw the yeah. video of that. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of hilarious, actually. It really is. It really is. Um, What were we saying? Oh, yeah. Going back to lineup. Yeah, I think... I think everything... We're going to wait and see. Uh, I'm really interested to see... What we do with Stengel, because my personal opinion is, as we said earlier, I think Stengel and A-Rod were best when they were playing off each other. But I think that also included when Stengel sort of dropped a little bit deeper. But if we see Vero in that role, who knows? Maybe Vero moves up to the wing a little bit. Probably not. It's going to be really interesting. And it's going to get even more interesting come later weeks. Once we lose Corsi on that back line, and once we lose Bowen, I have no idea. Uh, you hope Moros is healthy. You hope Miramontes is healthy. Um, but other than that, we we get to see what Gabby Vincent and um, Maddie Nolf do. Yeah. Sort of grab them know. by the back of the neck, throw them in the pool, and see if they can swim. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> That's right. the game plan. We have a question from our colleague. I believe this is our colleague. Uh, it's the only person I've ever heard with that name. Uh, Stockton. Uh, what is the biggest thing the Royals need to improve on from their first game? Finishing. Oh, my man. Oh, my man. Oh, my man. Finishing. Wow. Do they need to work on their finishing? Guess what? Finishing. Yeah. Sorry. Talk amongst yourselves. 
I love that so much. Yeah, it's the F word. It's finishing. <laughs> I Yeah, there's no other answer. You can't complain about anything defensively you've seen from Utah. They're, they just they got to score some more goals. We can't score one goal all season and win every game. It's just the talent in this league is too much for it, for one goal to always be enough. Would you take the increase to your heart rate if Utah went 24 or 26 and 0 with a championship and only could win games one nothing? Would you take that heart rate increase and the possibility of an early death for a Yes. 112% would do that. No. I'm Dutch. I need total football. <laughs> I would be willing to give so many things to have Utah win a championship this year. It's not even funny. Hey, Megan, will you read my question? It, would you do that for a championship? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fine. Virgil, what, will you read my question? I will absolutely read your own question. Um, what is our favorite snacks during a Utah Royals game. Uh, I'm going to answer that in two ways. Um, One, I don't eat anything at the stadium. I prefer not to spend a lot of money just to get diarrhea. No offense to the food staff there, um, but those are my thoughts. As far as away games, I said this on Twitter that I feast on the blood of my enemies. That's also... That escalated really um, fast. Incorrect. Yeah, I know. Taking it far. I don't know. Chicken biscuits... Like the ones from Chick Fil A, spaghetti, uh, or just no. any chicken biscuits. Like um, the uh, they're like those salty chip things. Oh, okay, those. If I, you know yeah, what I'm I do know about. what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm also a popcorn guy. I don't know. It just depends, I guess, how healthy I'm trying to be, hmm. which is probably not not pretty healthy. I'm a big I, fan of popcorn. I love popcorn, though, like movie theater popcorn. Don't love like microwavable popcorn, though. I'm going to be honest. I very rarely eat during games. Sometimes at the stadium, I'll get those like cinnamon almonds. Those are pretty good. Um, but at home, it's usually if I have a snack, it ends up being thrown. So I try not to eat them. That's my so, that's my take. So I would like everybody to know, obviously, I'm over the age of 21, so everything I say is completely legal. Um, though the alcohol, not, I so. drink, the, the alcohol I drink is actually not legal in Utah because it's higher alcohol content. Okay, Utah, Utah's <laughs> alcohol laws are weird, though, so like that's not hard to accomplish. Um, so I usually drink cider, like a, a, an alcoholic hard cider. Um, because I can, I can drink a glass or two of that and stay mostly coherent on Twitter, which is always a struggle. Um, and then popcorn. And most of the time, if I'm stress eating, like if it's a tense game, I'm also popping some chocolate because, you know, got to keep that blood sugar up. Yeah. Understandable. If you're, if you're listening to this, drop us like what, what you eat at the stadium or even better, What do you like at games? Um, Personally, I sort of alluded to this. I've had really, really bad luck um, in terms of my bowels. Anytime I have tried to eat anything at Rio Tinto. So if there's something you really, really like, whether it be at the stadium or at home, tweet at us. We'd love to hear that information. I've never had this problem, so I can't relate, but I'm sorry for you. 
Thanks. So I have a tradition of every time I go to a championship for brunch or breakfast, I eat chicken and waffles. So if the championship is in Utah, Virjo, I will buy you properly made non-diarrhea-inducing chicken and waffles before we go cover the final. Uh, so that is my that is my gift to you of a healthy a healthy digestive tract before we we go cover a final. I would love that. That would be amazing. I mean, it's a plan. That's that's a good plan. Chicken and waffles is an underappreciated food. It's like the perfect food. You have protein, you have chicken, you have waffles, which are carbs, which are delicious. You have a little bit of sugar from the syrup. I mean, I eat it at like 10 or 11, and then I don't have to worry about eating until like 5 or 6 after the game when, depending on who wins, I have a crushing self of self-loathing. So it works. That is incredibly healthy sounding. Um, Hopefully this year goes good for Utah, and that doesn't have to happen, though. That would be great. That's the plan. uh, Megan, final question, please. All right, this one's from Peggy. Um, It says, now that we're two games in, what's the biggest change in how the squad is playing? Take that how you will. Go for it. Whoever wants to go first. um, Go go ahead, RJ. I think if you're sort of comparing last year to this year, I think they're playing more cohesively sort of as a unit. Uh, They're not playing to their full potential, but I think they're more cohesive and they make more sense when you watch them play than they did last year. Um, Towards the end, I think they got much better, but I still think they're more cohesive. I think there are more possibilities. There's more flexibility. People are more willing to, you know, press was falling deep and Scott was going up at times and Vero was just wherever Vero needed to be. And A-Rod was running all over the place. You sort of had this cohesion and this ability to sort of do whatever they had to do in that moment to, to get their goal. So I think sort of that cohesion I, I think is the difference so far for me. I agree with that. Um, for me, the big difference is that press is dominating. She has the opportunity to be creative. And I know like, I've gotten a ton of heat on Twitter. I'm, I, you know, I guess multiple stands know me as apparently the person that hates Kristen press. Um, and so I don't mean this in a way that I hate Kristen press. I don't hate Kristen press at all. But the Royals last year played in a way, plus when you include coming into a new team, chemistry, all those other more nuanced factors, Press was not able to play her game in a way in which she just dominated and took control. This year she is doing that, and she's doing it very, very well. She's running defenses ragged. She's dropping back into the midfield, which I think has been really fun and entertaining to watch see her loop back and play defense so i think that's the main difference that said that's going to completely change for the next couple of months so i you know the the changes that we have seen from last year to this year we're going to change again this weekend and we're probably going to keep changing until we find what we as a roster best look like without Becky Sauerbrunn and without Kristen Press. That's a, that's a good take. 
I don't even know the biggest change in how the squad's playing for me. I think we like kind of like how you guys said, we're playing more as a team this year than we were able to last year. But I, all I know is I'm, I'm pretty happy with how they're doing right now. Like I said earlier, I'd like to see some more goals, but if, if we do end up going, you know, 26 and 0 with one zero wins all season, I won't complain about it. Can we get like one three nil in there? That's fine. I guess just one. I would really love to see an Amy Rodriguez hat trick. That would yeah, I'd be good for that. That would make me very happy. Like I'm, I'm old, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm really old. And Amy Rodriguez is one of those players that just when I first started getting into all of this, Amy Rodriguez was a young whippersnapper of, of a player. So <laughs> I, I still root for for that generation, which right now is like Tobin Heath too. So it's you know good for the new kids. I would also take a Becky goal. I would. I want an. I want a Becky Sauerbrunn World Cup goal. That's all I want in my life. <laughs> it's just a Becky Sauerbrunn World Cup goal. You know, maybe I'd be okay with. I, I. I agree to your point. I would love nothing more than to see her score in the World Cup. But I think I could probably like. It's not that I wouldn't be okay. But I think that I would be more favorable to only scoring one goal a game each game this season if one of those goals came off of just a ripper that that Becky hit, or any 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 goal, frankly, that's not a PK. I why don't we just have Becky score all the goals? Becky just can score a goal a game all season, and we'll be good. I feel like that. That's not a bad strategy, except she's going to be gone for like eight games, and I would prefer them to be able to score when she's not around. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But like, while she's gone, like Amy can score then, and then Amy can score eight goals, Becky can score like 15, 16, and call it good. We'll go with that. Anybody have any final thoughts as we wrap out this incredibly fun episode which they're never going to ask me to lead again <laughs> um i don't think so get your tickets what to go to rio fun? tinto this week weekend well i guess it's friday so it's not kind of this weekend yeah yeah go get tickets um we may be doing a ticket uh, a ticket giveaway later this week so keep your eyes out on the twitter yeah, like, it's gonna yeah. be a fun game. Woohoo! <laughs> Bye, everybody. I, I, yeah, I guess that's it. Have a good week, guys. Yeah.